Welcome to the Finding Equilibrium podcast, where we dig deep into the battle of the sexes. Because let's be real, the relationship between men and women is complex, nuanced, and often fraught with tension. Women are expected to be assertive and career-driven, while men are encouraged to embrace their emotions and be more vulnerable. But are we really finding balance and harmony, or are we just creating more confusion? We know that finding true equilibrium requires us to confront the uncomfortable truths and challenge the status quo. So we're showing up to call out the cultural narratives that have shaped our perceptions of masculinity and femininity and examine how we can break free from the constraints of societal expectations and ideations, like why women are pushed to act more like men and why men are becoming more like the women they were raised to protect. So whether you're here to explore this seemingly never-ending battle or simply seeking inspiration to bring your own assets to the table, we invite you to join us for some thrilling and controversial conversation. All right, our topic today is what does it really take to have the family life that you want? And the other part that you added to this is why what you want doesn't come from what you want to do. That just happens to been some shit that popped into my head a couple of days ago. Where it was like what was going through your head when that popped in? It's the whole discipline and motivation thing. Like motivation comes from things that aren't aligned with our best interests. You know what I mean? Like motivation isn't something that drives us in the the direction that we want to go because, you know, motivation will put you in the bed with the wrong girl or, you know, get you home from work too early or all the things. It's all the things that you shouldn't be doing. You know, you're not motivated to go to the gym. You're motivated to go get, you know, ice cream. So you, you go get ice cream. And I just was thinking about that and it occurred to me that nothing that we want that's not like an immediate satisfaction thing, nothing that we want can can be gotten from doing the things that we want to do. Like they're completely abstract of each other. So if you want a nice body, you know what you're going to have to do. If you want good finances and financial stability, there's so much that comes with that. You know, if you want a good relationship, if you want to raise good kids, if you want anything, like it, it's the whole six pack thing, you know, if you want a six pack, you're going to fuck kill yourself for it. Mm-hmm. And the whole rest of the list of shit that you want is a six pack because, you know, who wants 50 grand a year? You know, we all want 100 grand a year. Well, 50 grand a year comes from Walmart hundred grand a year comes from killing yourself. So. Yeah. yeah. The goals is the motivation, but it's what drives our goals. Like what is the, the underlying meaning behind why do we want a six pack? You know, that's. So we look good when we're having sex. (laughs) Right. But that's, that's your motivation. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. No, I agree. Why? Why you don't just want a six pack because that's just some arbitrary goal when you say it like that, but it has to have some sort of underlying meaning. And it usually is aligned with some value or belief that you have. And the reward is seeing the progress. And hopefully if it's a true underlying goal or value or belief that you have, then that progress will be the reward to continue that motivation. But I don't think... And I, I, I can say this, I know that most people don't have that. 
they don't have that desire isn't strong enough for them to keep pushing because they want it instantaneously. All things that are worth having, good job, good income, good marriage, good body, all takes work and it all takes time. And most people don't have enough of an, a core reason for that being a goal. They just see it, shiny object. Ooh, I want to go after that. And that's where the buck stops because they just don't have the discipline and nothing motivates them other than, you know, the little bit of progress in the beginning. You take getting a six pack, for example, they lose a little bit of weight. They're motivated for a minute and they drop off because their desire isn't strong enough. Yeah. And that's a, the best example ever because we're talking about delayed gratification, which is, you know, very serious patience. And that's one of the hardest things for people is is real patience because real patience can be a real long game. And all the stuff we're talking about is long game. Like none of the stuff is, is, you know, do today, get tomorrow. And I completely agree with what you're saying. There is a lot of places that you can garner motivation for your specific goal. If you look in the right places, it's just a lot of times with repetitive, you know, delayed gratification, you've got to have all this extra discipline because it comes from times when the motivation is not readily available. You know, you have to really think it out. Like, why the fuck am I doing this? And you really got to have the discipline to just shut that right down. You know, because, because I already told you, because, you know, you wake up, it's time to get out of bed and do the things like, no, I want to stay in bed. I am motivated to stay in bed. Mm -hmm. You know, why would I want to get out of bed? And you can't have to re-answer those questions all the time because you you will ask yourself every fucking day the same question. Like every time it's time to reach down and turn the shower to cold, your brain's just like, why? I don't want to. Why are we doing this? And you can't have to come up with the reason why. You have to just become the person that, you know, just says that we already decided this. So every day when we wake up, we already decided that we're going to get the fuck up and we're going to do the thing and we're going to take the cold shower at the end and, you know, we're going to work out and we're going to run because it's the worst thing in the world. So we're going to do that. And then you start to see the results and it gives you that much more motivation and it makes the discipline easier. And, you know, everything's a big snowball. Like, you know, but at first it's like you said, where you see some results and no matter what it is, and then boom, you hit that plateau and it's just like, uh, I can't do this. It becomes too much work and it's just easier to quit. And you said something that I made note of because the decision, the decision to just X, Y, and Z. And I used the example of the decision to stay, you know, we're talking about making a marriage last. You, once you make the decision, then you don't have any other choice. Once you right. make a decision to commit to, I'm going to take a cold shower every day, that's it. Psychologically, your actions will match that choice that you made, but you have to tell yourself that is the decision I'm making. Right. Well, and I think it's a little deeper too, because it's, um, there needs to be things that come with that. So if you're going to decide that this is my relationship, no matter what, you know, it's going to take the end of the world to end this relationship. So hell or high water, we're staying together. That also means that you have to set boundaries for yourself and maybe for the other person, but most importantly for yourself. And 
And most commonly what that means, especially for females, but also especially for males, because as males, we don't get a whole lot of attention. So if we do get some attention that's not from home, you know, it can be really bad because we don't get attention. We're starved for attention. So it's easy to want to accept attention from other places. It's just uncommon to find it. You know, so the men, we don't struggle as much usually with with getting attention from other places because, you know, we're not we're not even looking for it. We're not we're not used to thinking that way. But especially in today's day and age, women get attention from so many different places in such an abundance of it. You know, allowing that in their lives is the opposite of saying that you're going to for sure only have this relationship. You know, like if you're. If you're talking to other guys and you've got a bunch of male friends and you got a bunch of female friends that are trying to get you to go out and you are going out and they're telling you, you should do this and you should do that. And they're not things that are conducive to having a happy family and a good marriage. Then those are all boundaries that you're stepping over on your own. And regardless, if you're saying this is my marriage and I'm never going to leave and I'm going to figure it out. If you're doing all these things that are stepping all over the structure of that marriage then it's counterintuitive. You're saying, this is my one and only, but you're going out and you're getting attention from places that you shouldn't, or you're investing your time into things that you shouldn't, or just listening to people that you shouldn't. But I think with women, one of the things is it's it's a little bit subconscious, you know, with women, because I think their love, we'll call it love, gets really slowly eroded subconsciously and I don't think they super realize it. And I think that they do some of it to themselves and potentially can do a lot of it to themselves. And then all of a sudden they end up in a place where they can't come back from. Because from a psychological point of view, the whole fixing a broken marriage thing, it's really a stretch. I'm not saying it can't ever be fixed, but when a woman is for real done respecting a man, there's not a whole lot of going back over there. It's just like trust, you know, like if you burn a bridge, you can't just be like, you know, oh, we're going to fix this marriage and we're just going to rebuild this bridge. Well, I hope it was a little bridge and it was easy to rebuild because there's a good chance that that trust isn't something that you're going to get back with a little seminar or some shit like it's you fucked it up really bad. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, of what you're saying needs to be like very consistent and early on education so that we're not undermining our own values and then all of a sudden it's like you know we're trying to fix something staying in and having a good marriage a good relationship isn't about fixing it you know it's like the finances thing where we weren't taught finances so we grow up and we're just fucking stupid to it and then all of a sudden we realize we need way more money than we have or that's coming in and we're going to need way more money and i think relationships are like that too you know, where we grow up together and then all of a sudden we start seeing all these things that are missing and it's like you're trying to play catch up and trying to give the person the things that they that you already weren't giving them and you can't just fix that. You know, the, the number one thing is is women tend to do a lot of the household stuff and men, we don't know how much work it really is. And especially because when we do the stuff, we don't do it to the love that women do. We don't fold the fucking socks. You know, we, we get it done. We don't do the things, you know, and it, it takes forever to half-ass it. So, you know, all of a sudden 
you got a woman that spent the last five, ten years feeling under it's fucked. It's fucked. You can't just fix that. You can't just be like, oh, I never knew. I never knew how much you fucking were keeping us afloat all the time. But like you said, that's all stuff that she's doing consciously or not to herself. And just like we were talking about how the progress takes time, you know, anything good takes time and discipline. Well, the damage doesn't happen overnight either, unless, I mean, there's some examples, but that's extreme. Right. And most people wouldn't go to that extreme unless they had damage that occurred over time to even encourage them to go and do that. So the damage occurs over time too. And for women, it's, you know, we're not respecting our spouse. We don't really love our spouses because we're all modeled poorly for most of us, what love looks like and most of it's cinematic. So we go into relationships with these stupid expectations and we don't set boundaries from the very beginning. And I think that's such a healthy thing to do. Lay out the rules of how this is going to work so that nobody is blindsided by the fact that when you do that, it really pisses me off, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to disrespect you. And that's what it is. It's people don't really talk about those things. It's all resentment or pent up energy or emotions from other situations or people. Like how many times does a spouse come home from work pissed off about something that happened and just fire away on their spouse? Not intentionally trying to do that, but that over time breaks down a marriage and then you're disrespecting them. You want to be loved, but you're disrespecting them. And over time, like you said, you're just eroding that relationship and you can't come back from that, especially if you didn't set the goal to just stay regardless. You're already throwing it out there that there's a possibility that this isn't going to work. I can leave, damn it. I can leave. I have an out. And you like statistics. So I threw this in there, but a survey of a thousand women, 50% of them had a backup husband. So right there, they already have an out. They have not decided to commit and stay. So how easy would it be if her husband pisses her off or she emasculates him to a point where she's not happy with him anymore? Well, guess what? I got a backup husband. I'm out. And that that in of itself is just this: the constant distraction is undermining the entire goal. If your goal is to stay with that person, that distraction alone is undermining that entire goal. So why why even have that be an option because you don't really intend to stay. Right. Well, I think it really puts, it really paints a picture of the difference between how men and women love. That's the whole thing. I always copy Myron's thing about how men love idealistically and women love opportunistically. And for the most part, there's a lot of truth there. And I've seen women that really love their man, like, you know, stars in their eyes and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't mean that, you know, the guy couldn't do something that would would change that, but it, it exists. I'm not pretending like, you know, real love both ways doesn't exist. But for the most part, men look at their women with an unrealistic point of view. That's where the whole trophy pedestal thing comes from because it's like she's my perfect little purity, you know, like she's everything I want and everything I need and she loves me in just the right ways. And, you know, obviously there's a whole lot of glorification there. You know, because, you know, she's a, she's a woman like most women and she's probably garnering attention from here and there and, you know, all the things, you know, so it's, it's crazy to put a woman so high up on a pedestal. But that's that's what we do. 
you know, and, and I think a lot of that is that guys tend to, you know, once we decide that this, this is who we're having kids with, you know, we have kind of a sense of that this is a forever thing, which is a really bad thing for guys, because we need to realize that women think a lot more like what you just said a minute ago. And even though we're projecting onto them that they would never leave, like the fact that we would never leave, you know, I think it takes a lot more to get a guy to leave than it does to get a woman to leave. And it makes it hard to love a woman and trust a woman when you know there's a good chance that she's got, like you said, a backup husband, which is, you know, it's kind of like a jokey thing. But at the same time, it's not. It's like they have intimacies with other people commonly that, you know, may on the surface be, for the most part, okay enough. I can't, I can't think of the word. Innocent. Yeah, that's that's not, that's a good word right there. Right. And, you know, until she hits the fan and all of a sudden that's the person they're going to. And that's the person that already knows all of the ups and downs and all the things. The friend zone guy, he's the most educated person when it comes to the woman. Like, you know, it's just having that person even exist is rough on your marriage. And one of the things you said a minute ago, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while and I don't really know how to talk about it other than. I feel like, so I've been around some wild women, some, some very emotional roller coasters. And I'm an extremely emotional person. I have, I just fucking fire and brimstone. Like it's so, so much to contain the way I really feel on the inside all the time. And on the outside, I try to be as controlled as I can all the time. But the thing that's happened to me over all the years of of being around, you know, women that are, are a little bit uh, extra is the more you're around, and this might not be the same for everybody, but the more that you're around very volatile, emotional states, the more stoic you become yourself. Because you have this weird pushback where, like, two people can't be out of control, you know? So, like, when one person gets to be out of control, the other person has to counter that energy or else you'll just create, like, an escalation tree. And, you know, I can't say this for all men, but for myself, the more that I was put in those situations, the more I became able to not ever raise my voice not ever, you know, become the, and I'm very empathetic. I'm being an empath is horrible. Like I infect everyone around me with whatever my mood is, whether it's good or bad. And I absorb everybody else's intentions and stuff, whether they are trying to or not. So to still be able to have, you know, somebody in my face just screaming or trying to get me to punch them or I mean, girls do crazy things when they're super upset and acting out of pocket. But I really think that that is so important for men to be able to control their mental state all the way to a point to where they're almost not even having the feelings. Because like when you said coming home and, and being pissed off about the day and then shitting all over the other person and, you know, I think back to when I was a youth and how I would just like, 
you know, a situation would go bad and I'm smashing my phone or I'm punching the wall. And it's just like, I really don't have respect for that version of me. And I, and I, I'm nothing like that now. And I really feel like those situations led up to someone who can absorb those energies without refunding them back to the person. I think that's what most women really need is a man that doesn't match their emotional roller coaster. And it doesn't mean, you know, being heartless and not having feelings and not empathizing with what's wrong with your spouse. But, you know, I think that a, a real man comes home and he doesn't bring his bad day through the fucking door. I don't care how bad it was. He doesn't infect his wife with it. And he's ready to absorb whatever rough stuff his wife's been through because, you know, we all know that women deal with a lot more emotion than men do. And bringing more emotion to that obviously isn't going to be helpful to your your marriage. And I just feel like we have an entire generation of little crybaby boys that want to have a mommy to hold them when they get home. One final thing real quick to that, because that, that thing I... I came up with the other day is is I don't think women really like a man that's funny. Women like a man that can be funny, but it's very common for women to lose respect quick for a guy that's, that is funny because everything's a fucking joke. And, And women, women are in joking mode all the time. You know, you can't make jokes when it's not the right time when you're dealing with women. So being a comedian isn't, isn't, you know, the best way to her heart. But being able to make her smile when it's important and being able to elevate her mood when it's important and being able to absorb her trauma from the day or from the week or from the situation, that's what's important. So, you know, yeah, that's that's it. Life is a, is a lot of emotional battle. And we talk about how women really seek out provisions more than anything else. But we look at that only from a fiscal perspective, and I don't think that's really what's going on. I mean, it's very obvious that women gravitate towards men that, you know, are physically capable and physically secure and f- physically secure to be around. And I think that a lot of women, whether they realize it or not, they also are looking for emotional security, somebody that can help them to be more level and to, you know, bring them back up when they're down and down when they're up and and not be those things themselves. You know, women don't want a man that's the emotional roller coaster that a woman is. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about that synergy. And, you know, you have to kind of even one another out. And that's when a woman is so emotional. And you always bring up the perspective of a man and like how a man can do better for the woman. And I always like to look at it the other way, because I think in order for a relationship to be successful, both people have to have an understanding that they're both broken and there's, there's areas for both of them that they could improve in. And so if they can improve in those areas and they're aware of those areas, then it makes it easier for the other person to compliment what they're supposed to compliment that person on. So like women are very emotional, but we don't have to attach so much significance to our feelings. And we do. Like that is everything to us. And that is why we get so emotional is because there's so much meaning that when we have a feeling it's real and we want everybody to feel it too. Right. And you made me feel this way. And it's like, yeah. well, I, I didn't mean to, well, that doesn't fucking matter. But so, 
yes, a man should compliment and be there to absorb some of that energy, but also a woman should be aware and kind of like get over herself a little bit and stop being so attached to that feeling and instead do something about it, you know, replace that emotion with an action, something that's going to make that less emotional for you, whatever that is. And I don't think that we're even aware of that that we do that. We are just emotional and that's why, and we don't have to give you a reason why, and you're just supposed to take it and help us through that, which is fine and helpful and great, but doesn't really help the woman improve herself and learn how to navigate her emotions. So she doesn't like, cause it's not fair for a man to have to absorb all of that all the time. Nobody really wants that. Like they don't want a high, strong woman 24 seven. So a little bit of balance on her end too, could be super beneficial. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, it would be awesome to have a woman that is easygoing. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. <laughs> you were, you were joking about hopeflation earlier. And so hopeflation is just, oh, how's it go? Look Basically like wanting all the things, but not willing to, to do anything to get it is a term which just describes the increase in price, men have to pay for lower value women. So, you know, women want all these things and they expect all these things from men and all the provisions and this lifestyle and absorbing our energy and everything, but we're not willing to do anything. We're not willing to cook. We're not willing to clean. We're not willing to do the things that women are meant to do. And that was part of it too, is we're supposed to serve and be an appendage to our husbands. And so many women get upset about that because they look at it as like, you're supposed to wait on him hand and foot and be his servant. And that's totally not what serving means. True happiness and love is a sacrifice. And women are looking for happiness and all they have to do is, is to give. We're meant to give, we're meant to nurture. And bottom line, that's what really makes us happy is having a purpose. And our purpose is to serve our husbands who are protecting us and providing for us. And that's our sacrifice. And that's, that's love. Love is not all those other things. Love is just the sacrifice and the commitment to serving and being your husband's partner. And I think women expect so much out of our husbands, hence the whole 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 thing, but we're not willing to do our side of things. And our side of things, what we're supposed to be doing is looked at as a bad thing. You know, women, like I said, they think of that and they think old school and they think that that's disrespect on a woman to have to go make her husband a sandwich every once in a while, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And hopefulations, it's a reference to time, basically. So like, you know, it's just saying that 20 years ago, men had to work, you know, half as hard for a woman that was twice as good. Yep. Basically, you know, so the, the, and and I think that we get a real hang up when it comes to leadership and submission and all these words, they sound so terrible, but like my perspective is women need to be left alone to make their own decisions, just like your children. Like your job isn't to, you know, helicopter your wife, you know, and make all her decisions for her. And I tell you what, If I learned anything from my father, it's that a a household, a house, a home is a woman's. One of the biggest places that that security is derived for a woman is by walking through the door of her domicile and feeling at home. 
And there's so much that goes into that, that a guy will never be able to understand because we can hang some dumb shit on the wall that we don't even really like. We just think it's fucking funny. Men are abstract. We don't care. You know, we step over it. We will trip over it 10 times. We don't fucking care. I'm not saying not we're all centered like on that, the wall. It's hung crooked. You don't give a fuck. Right. We don't care. And we might be doing it perfect at work, you know, but at home, we don't care. We're a lawn chair in a video game. Like We don't fucking care. And that really needs to bring perspective to the men that it's the woman's house. It's the woman's yard. When she looks out the window and she does the things like, you know, I'm not saying that the woman's got to pick your TV in your man cave, but you know, for the most part, leave it alone, leave it alone. And you know, your boys, when you're raising your boys, leave them alone. Like let them fail, watch them fail, stand there and watch them fall. You know, the, the girls do a little bit more, not too much, but, you know, protect, protect them a little more, at least from the big mistakes and the big failure. And, and hopefully you can teach them that they can expect to be protected from those things a little more than the boys. You want the boys to know that nobody's going to be there for, to protect them from it. But the flip side to this is if you want a real man that's going to be all the things on your fucking list and whether you know it or not, you want and need him to be physically strong and capable, mentally strong and capable, and so much of what you want from him makes him liable. When shit hits the fan, the man is the one. When the family folds, the man is the one. Like when when the finances are fucked up, the man is the one. Everybody's going to be looking at the man, you know, and they should be. You you let your fucking family down. You you walk between the woman and the street, you know. You you pay attention when she's ducking under something, like, there's so many things that men do, good men do subconsciously all the fucking time. We're so spatially aware. There's so much to pay attention to and to keep track of. And, you know, I don't think that men really get the respect that they deserve for all the subconscious things that we are, that some of us are. And it comes down to there can only be one chief and there can only be one king. And if I'm the one that's responsible for the failures, and I'm the one that's the most responsible for the actual lives of the people involved, then I will not not have the last word. And like I said a minute ago, when it comes to most of the fucking things, this is not the thing, you know? Having the last word doesn't mean always having the last word. It just means that when it really, really, really is fucking important, to say no or to say yes, we're going to do this anyway. I understand and I appreciate your opinion, but I'm going to have to go ahead and do it my way. There's so many women nowadays that just will not be told no. and There aren't situations where they can let go. And I think a lot of it is that men are too afraid to just be like, no. We don't have money for that or no, that's a bad financial decision or that's a bad decision in general or, you know, I'm not letting my daughter. I don't care what you say. My daughter's not leaving the house wearing those fucking clothes. You know, I don't care if you wore those clothes Mm -hmm. when you were her age. You know, there's there's got to be things. And if you can't do that, you're not a fucking man because you're either too weak or too insecure with your relationship or whatever the fuck it is. And if you can't handle that as a woman, then either you don't respect the man that you picked. He wasn't really the superior that you wanted and needed, 
or you you said something a minute ago about how we're women especially are all fucked up by the whole you know disney uh perspective of of what a relationship would be the funny thing about that is it's it's got two heads to it and they're completely the opposite so women grew up especially my generation because my generation Walt Disney was still alive so you know my generation grew up with all the best ones and the they're great stuff they're great but the the flip side is those same women grew up in a generation of feminism and independency from a man and all these different things and it just made the weirdest mix of women that you know i can be independent i can do this i can make money i don't need you but i secretly don't want to do any of those things i secretly really do need you i secretly want you to be masculine and stoic and all of these things and take charge but only do it exactly when it's necessary because i don't want you ever stepping on my toes and it's like we've created this impossible situation where we want our cake and we want to eat it too. Well, you know, it it's impossible because once you eat the cake, it's gone. Like oh, that's no, just there's all the cake out there. And that's the problem. That's the problem is we we get a generation of females that are just like, you know, I I'll find somebody else that'll let me do what I want, and then they end up unhappy because. You know, they don't respect the guy mm-hmm. that lets them do whatever they want. But they walked out on the guy that they did respect because they didn't respect getting told no. And and we're, we're stuck in this world where not just women, but we're all completely fucking delusional because we don't know how much money it takes to have a good life. We don't know how much time or even what to invest it in to have a good life, you know. We don't even know what we want. Like, you know, when you sit and you ask men and women what they want, most of the time they're just like, and then it's like, okay, well, what, what, what do you bring to the table? Like, how the fuck did we get this far? Like, how did you get to be married for a decade? And you're like, she listens to me and smiles at me. It's like, yeah, that's great. You guys are going to fail. Wait until you fucking find out how much money it really takes you know, one of your kids goes to college or some shit and the whole thing just fucking implodes when you, you know, refinance your house for the fourth time. And it's not our fault. Nobody told us. No, know? but we can learn. And I don't think people are willing to learn. And I think the quick fix just really gets the best of everybody because it's so easy. It's so easy to have that temporary satisfaction. Right. To, to fulfill that desire that they think that they want but if women were really smart they would understand that this whole time they had every single he I don't care who who they're with they were smart enough they could figure out that they have all the answers they just have to be the one to take a lot of the action to unlock all that stuff because biologically for the most part most men are the same and there's going to be at least 10 things about every person that you're with that you can't fucking stand. Yeah, no shit. And you have to figure out what things are tolerable because you're going to nitpick about this. It's typically the stupidest shit. And over time wears down that person because in a way it's disrespectful and like you're trying to change somebody. 
Well, you can't right. change the person, but you can change the circumstance. And sometimes, especially women, like, like I said, they have the keys. It's not about, you know, women always are like, oh, well, you know, put this shelf up, put this shelf up. I want the shelf up. And they just keep nagging and nagging. And the guy wants nothing more than to make his wife happy. And so he wants to make her happy, knowing that putting that shelf on the wall will make her happy, but on his terms. And the more you sit there and prod him about it, the less he's going to want to do it. And you're just disrespecting him because he'll do it. So rather than nagging, all you'd have to do is just like, one, you could make it his idea and work that into the mix. Or you could say things like, you know, it really makes me happy if you would do this, or I really miss it when this. Because then you're attaching some of that safety and security and he wants to please you and make you happy behind it. That is going to motivate him because really that's his goal. But instead you disrespect him and you're wanting him to make you happy, but you're getting in your own way of him making you happy because you're being a bit. Right. Let me tell you, men typically don't go into a marriage with a bitch. Somehow along the way in this marriage, the woman turns into the bitch. And it's just like, where did that come from? That wasn't the woman I married. Right. 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 I got, I mean, I got three good things there. Like one, I just say this all the time. I know I sound like a terrible person for saying it, but if you don't learn how to manipulate the situations that you're in, then you're failing yourself and the people around you, you know, because you are manipulating every situation you're in. You always are. You know, and like you said, if the way you're manipulating the situation is by nagging, well, you're manipulating the situation very counterintuitively. You're not going to get what you want. That's silly. Now, the problem with that is women have an inherent disability to do and say what's most portrays what they want, because women don't like to have to say what they want. Women want you to figure out what the fuck they want. Like, that's the ultimate thing. But why does it have to be like that? And we had a conversation about this before about, you know, ways that people need reminded. And it might not look the right. same for everybody. And it's so it's the same thing when you're in a relationship. If that's really what you want to say, then you should be able to say it. And that person should be receptive of that. I don't know why it has to be this game where we can't just be direct with one another. Especially with the boys. Like, yeah. Just tell or give them, give them an idea list. Give them like five yeah. things to choose from. It makes it it's easy for idea. him. You know, so we just do a really poor job. And like women are, they're just not nice. Right. Well, and they tend to like to have something to bitch about too. So women will pick whatever thing there is to pick. So if your man comes home every night, and a few nights a week, he's playing Call of Duty with his boys in his headset. That's him hanging out with his friends. Even if they're not the same friends he goes out with, maybe they're just his online friends. Um, but it's a big deal, too. But the big thing, the big takeaway there is, does that mean you've got a man that's not going to the bar, not going to the fucking casino, not going out and looking for strange not making poor financial decisions, not getting into trouble. You can't, you can't, right. Yes, it's it's some of his time that could be used for something else. But, you know, the likelihood is it, it could be used for something much worse. 
So when you've got a man who's, you know, all the things, and then he's got this one thing, you know, he's fucking spends too much time. We've all got a thing, you know. I like to race motocross, and I like to fight, and they both take time. You know? I think that's the thing, though. They don't have anything. You are their thing. Right. If, you yeah. know, if you could, if you could have your thing while they had their thing, it could be like, hey, every Tuesday while I'm gaming with my friends, you, fucking, I don't know, do whatever. You know what I mean? Like you have a thing. Right. And you also, mean a, a woman entertain themselves? I like to be oh alone. I'm an only child and I'm introverted. So it's like sanctuary <laughs> to be alone. But that's another thing I think people don't, <laughs> they don't know is healthy is to have separation from your spouse because you need that. Everybody needs time away from one another. Yeah. And then it just makes it better when you do come together. And and typically you're not button heads all the time because it doesn't matter who it is. It, even my kids, I need my time. You know, give me a break. Let me decompress. Let me figure out my own shit. It gives me time to think. Everybody needs to be in their head a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think people are so insecure that they have to be there right by your side all the time. And it's yeah. for a woman, it's okay to be vulnerable, but it's a whole nother thing to be clingy. Men don't want clingy. They want vulnerable. Right. And right. Yeah. women are too damn clingy. Right. Well, and I know I said this on, I think the most recent podcast we had, but like, you know, women don't take this the wrong way, but we don't want to hang out with you. Like, I'm not saying that there aren't women out there that have similar interests that I get along with in certain, you know, aspects of my reality. But the truth is, it's most likely that most of the things that get me hard aren't the things that a girl's going to be into. She doesn't know what sports team was playing last night or what car that was that just went by or why this certain engine or like fucking farm equipment. Boys are into things and girls are into people. So when it comes time to hang out, boys revert to little boys and we're little boys and we want to bounce off the walls and wrestle with each other and, you know, be little kids. And girls, they want to talk and maybe gossip and, you know, do different things. I don't know. Fuck out. What the fuck do I, I think know? girls? But, I think girls want to be little girls too. I just don't think that we allow ourselves to because we don't think that we can. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And then when girls get together, I think girls get in the way of that for each other too. Yeah. You know, because girls bastardize things, you know, like that's the first thing that you hear from girls when boys get together is like, you're so fucking juvenile. Like you just, you guys get together and you act like little kids. And it's like, yeah, that's why I think we like to hang out so much. Like what the fuck? That's what I'm trying to do is be a little kid. There's some stats that I was looking at the other day and there's a bunch of these new games out. And uh, you're starting to see a lot like the new Harry Potter game. Fucking everybody is playing the new. I haven't played it yet, so I don't I don't know. But it's like an open world Harry Potter game. And there's so many adults that are, uh, you know, just completely submersed into this open world Harry Potter game. And there's a lot more people than you think playing RPGs and stuff. I've been so submerged in my career for for years now that I, I don't have time to play 
much games anymore. You know, I get to play Overwatch now and again and maybe some Call of Duty, but I run into people all the time that are like huge into StarCraft and World of Warcraft and just people that I never would have thought in a million years that I'm just like, no way. Like, and it's just, it's, it's cool. You know, we're little kids. I think if it was just more socially acceptable, then we would be doing a lot of the stuff together. You know, and I mean, there'd be more stuff for us to do together as as boys and girls and stuff like these escape rooms and stuff. That's why that stuff starting to become such a big thing is there's, you know, there's so many things like that that we can really enjoy together. And that's that's what it's about is being able to have fun with your spouse and create memory. And I tell you what, like to the boys, that's what girls want is fucking memories. Like girls think they want stuff, but they don't. They want they want time, and and you know that because all they want you any girl any girl what do you want? I want to travel. I'm 19. I'm 90. Doesn't matter. Girls want to travel. Boys are trying to build an empire. Girls are just trying to go and see as much as stuff as they can go see. And if you can give your woman experiences, then you're winning. One of the big things I wanted to talk about tonight was time and money and how we're all under some extreme delusions when it comes to time and money. And I wanted to give you guys just a couple of real basic things. I just happened to be reading a whole bunch of financial books and stuff. I just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad for the first time, even though I'm 40, which is fucking bullshit. Like if you're an adult and you haven't read that book, you're a fucking asshole. But the couple of things that that I wanted to bring to the table for this conversation was the biggest one, the most important one is investing. There's so much that I could sit here and talk about when it comes to investing in the market and real estate and all these different things. But I'm not going to, especially since I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have a fucking clue just because I've read a few books. But I do know math. And a week or so ago, my boy and I sat down and we decided to see If a person invested 10% of their income into the S&P 500, which is just a stock index of the 500 best, you know, most lucrative companies in the market, and it's ever changing, you know, so it's always the 500 best. So it's like the safest investment. And most of your big time investors will push you towards that because it's it's like it's had an 8% growth rate forever you know, for the past hundred fucking years. So, you know, regardless of the, you know, the market's going to go up and down and shit, but the that index is usually going to, in any index like that is going to be your safest bet. But the crazy thing was, if you invest 10% of your income, and let's say the first 20 years, you're making 40,000 or 10 years, 40,000, then 60,000, then 80,000, then 100,000. That's how much you're making a year. So you're investing 10% into the index every single week for your whole life for 40 years. And keep in mind that this money, this return includes your original investment. So it's not just, you're not just making this money, you saved this money. So it's it's not as good as it sounds. So after 10 years, combined with what you put in, you're only up to $63,000. 10 years of investing into the safest index there is, you're only up to $63,000. After 20 years, you're only up to $229,000. After 30 years, you're only up to $620,000. 
at 40 years of an 8% return rate at 10% of your of your income, keeping in mind that the last 10 years you're investing $10,000 a fucking a year because you're making $100,000 a year, it only brings you up to $1.5 million. Now, it took you 40 fucking years. Now, nobody that I'm talking to is probably young enough that they can do what I just said for 40 years. That's how shitty investing is. That's that's the safest way you can go. That's like the safest mutual funds. That's and you're you probably won't get this if you just go to you know whatever fucking investment group and give them your money. You're not going to do this well. So this is like a really good case scenario of low risk investing. And then what do you have? You know, let's say that you pulled it off for let's say you pulled it off for 30 years. Let's say you were smart enough. You know, because exponential growth is shit. When you start when you're old. So let's say you got it done 30 years before retirement. You did you did it at 30. You're trying to retire at 60. You got $620,000. You know, you're 60 years old. There's like a 27% chance or 20, 21% chance now that one of the people in the household is going to live to be at least 90 years old. 90 fucking years old. Let's say that that just happens to be your fucking lottery and you live till 90 years old and You've only got six hundred and twenty thousand fucking dollars for thirty years. Thirty years. Let's just two seconds here. Six twenty divided by thirty fucking years. That's only. We'll be nice and call it twenty one thousand dollars a year. Well, since it's twenty six six six, and then we'll just divide that by twelve. That's only seventeen hundred dollars a month. That's. By the time and think about what inflation is going to have done to you by then anyway. Seventeen hundred dollars a month is going to be a fucking joke, you know. And and hopefully we're not talking about two of you. Hopefully this is just one person. So this is on top of how much money you got to make a month to pay the fucking bills. This is how fucked you are in the head when it comes to finances. And ideally. Every person should be set up to have their house, their vehicles, any of those things wrapped up by the time they retire. So then they don't have a mortgage to pay for and a car payment and all those things. You should have that all set. That doesn't happen. Well, and the problem with that is even if you do those things, if you are one of those wild cards that lives 30 to 40, say you say you do pretty good and you retire at 50 or 55, and all of a sudden you got 35 fucking years that you got to live. Your car and your house and all those things are going to go to shit. And you're going to have to fucking deal with the fact that you live in Michigan where everything's fucking salt and rust. And, you know, and it's like, you know, that was one of the things for me when I was younger is I had this delusion that, you know, if you just buy a nice vehicle brand new and take care of it. No, no, no. It doesn't fucking work that way. You can't you can't get anything. You can't get your hardwood floors to last. Like you're going to have your dogs are going to piss on them. Like there's something is going to fuck up your life all the fucking time. And it's not going to be enough money. And then that's just investing. And that, and we're pretending like you make enough money to where you can take 10% of it, invest it. You know, obviously that part's delusional as it is, because you need every fucking dollar that you're making. The average household only makes $65,000 a year. That's a household. $65,000 a year. And I guarantee it takes every fucking dollar of that to pay the fucking bills. That's usually before taxes. You know, I would, I would assert that a household needs to be at a hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, 
the household to be comfortable. And that's right now. We just saw the hugest shift in inflation in the history of ever just happened right under our noses five fucking minutes ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so don't think that two Sign seconds down the road that <laughs> right or the housing market shoot back down, you know, something that'll just it's just going to keep pushing us up and up and up. And you're going to realize that you need way more money a week, a month, a year. And you need to be investing way more money every day. And you need to have education on finances, real education. If you don't understand real estate in the stock market, you're fucked. You're going to be fucked. Like if you're just realizing at 40, like me, that you're wildly not making enough money for the version of you that's 60. Oh man, you're fucked. Like the fact that we think that we're going to get into these these glorified relationships and just you know ride off into the set sunset like nobody's planning nobody's doing the shit that that is you know like that and for me it comes back to the guy like i always let my wife i don't like to talk about my marriage you know just because it's the mother of my son but i will say certain things that you know cast light on me as an inadequate spouse And one of the perspectives that I always had that, you know, and this is me trying to do the right thing. You know, I grew up in psychology and letting a woman do the finances gives her the security. If she's paying the bills, she knows they're paid. And and women tend to be a little more methodical when it comes to stuff like that. Well, the flip side to that is that's great when all the bills are paid. If you're just barely making it week to week and the woman is in charge of the finances, then you're causing her undue stress on a regular basis because she's not sure if she's going to make the fucking rent or the trash or whatever the fucking bill it is or, you know, something that's even more important that has to do with the the kids, you know, your son's big trip that they're going to go on or some shit. You don't want that. Like you as a man need to be in charge of the finances at least to the point of making sure that all the big things are always taken care of and allocated for in advance so that there's no question whether or not bills will get paid. And a lot of that comes down to your ability to finance. If you are not educated in finance, then you will not have a good marriage. You just can't. The number one most important thing is provision. And if you're living paycheck to paycheck, how the fuck is your wife supposed to feel any type of security? Just because you can deal with the fact that the lights might get turned off and you know you can talk your way out of a fucking, you know, a deposit for a late consumer's bill or whatever the fuck. That doesn't mean shit. Like that doesn't cast the the kind of light on you that that you need. There's a word there that's that I'm falling short of, but Like there's no protection and provision, no security for the family. And I tell you what, the biggest disservice you're doing yourself by not being submerged in the finances is you don't know. You don't know that you don't make enough money. You don't know that it's going to get worse soon. And all of a sudden you're going to need way more. And like, you know, if you're up its ass, then you're going to see the stuff coming way more then if you're just, you know, backseat and, you know, I got everything on auto pay and blah, blah, blah. I'm the the biggest failure when it comes to this. Like I, I did all these things for all the years. And it's only just now that, you know, 
I'm really understanding the error of a lot of things. I and, and like I said, for me, a lot of it was psychology based. It wasn't that I was just not thinking. I thought I was thinking. But me thinking without an education, hubris, how much fucking hubris does it take to sit there and think you know what's best when you haven't done any fucking research whatsoever? I don't understand. And I don't know what it really costs other people's households. You know, I don't know. But I know that I don't have enough fucking money. I think that's a like a good average scenario. And I like, and then what do you do with the relationships that don't combine finances? That always blew my mind. Oh, it blows my mind. It works for some people, but I don't know how because, and I also don't think that that's fair. Well, I don't just, I don't think it's a, a true marriage because it's partnership. So it's just like, what mm-hmm. are you withholding and why, why can't we have a shared bank account? And like I said, it works for the people that I've talked to, but it's something that I just don't understand. You come together. Everything else gets united when you get married. What's the difference with your finances? And especially if you're, you decide to stay in this marriage and you have things that you have to plan for your kids, things, retirement. Why aren't you looking at it, reviewing it every single month together to sit down so that you're on the same page? So you know how much extra you have or how much can we invest? Nobody even sits down and does the math to actually figure out if they even have anything left over at the end of the month and what what are they going to do with it? And that's a whole nother conversation is because a lot of times they don't even see eye to eye with what they think they should be doing. You know, and that's right. where, you know, I think it's just easier if one person has control over it because it, it negates a lot of that, all the the fights and stuff that happen around finances exclusively in a marriage. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point for sure. Is like a lot of times it's better that way, but it, it also becomes like, but is it fucked up? Right. Cause you, you get to be in a helicopter all the time and it's like, why are you constantly telling me no? And it's like, because you're not looking at the thing that says we're broke. Like I have to tell you no, because you're not paying the bills. If you're paying the bills, you would, you wouldn't be like, Hey, let's order a pizza. You'd be fucking making a pizza. Like there's, there's well, so much. Things, if you do things correctly, you should be able to order a pizza every once in a while, you know, without yeah. worry. True stability would be like, I can run the debit card, not frivolously, but without worrying that I'm not going to charge a $30 pizza from my debit card to then get a, a $30 overage fee. Now it costs 60 right. bucks, you know, you should be able to do that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that I've been arguing with my dad for my whole life. Like I took the Dave Ramsey course when I was really young. So my dad's been chirping about the latte effect for the past 25 fucking years. And for anybody that doesn't know, latte effect is just if you sit down and you actually um, itemize all of your expenses that are like unregulated you know, like 20 ounce of Mountain Dew that you have every day or protein bar or, you know, Starbucks coffee or whatever, it does end up being a considerable amount of money at the end of the week, month, year, but it's bullshit. But I don't buy into it because it's like, yes, you know, I, I could take the couple of things I have away from myself and have a couple hundred bucks more at the end of the month or whatever the fuck. But in reality, you need more. You need to make more fucking money. You need to do a little more. And if, you know, going to Culver's once a week is breaking the bank, you need to fix the bank. 
you know, not not pretend that not eating at Culver's is going to change your financial stability. I mean, it, it living week to week needs to be a smack in the fucking face. And, it, and it's not because we already have finances that are there waiting for us to make more money. So the second that you get that $2 raise, that $2 raise is already spent because you've been trying forever to fucking fix something in the house or the car or, you know, something. And you just keep absorbing that. And I, and I think that's the delusion. That's part of the delusion financially is, you know, we're making it. We must not need much more because we're making it. And it's like, you're not really making it. You're not doing the things you really want to do, especially, you know, going anyplace, taking anybody on vacation. You definitely don't have a college fund for any of your kids. And it just ends up being a huge, way too late wake up call. Yeah. And, and it's just forbid something catastrophic happens and you need a couple grand. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You better have good parents. And you'll really see the difference between. You know, a lot of times the ones that are are more set up are the ones that can't go to their parents. Not having a safety net is a great way to create a safety net, you know, because if you know you've got people to fall back on, you will. You will. You'll just do things differently subconsciously because, you know, not that you're trying to have the safety net, but you knowing it's there. That's one of the big things I learned in all these financial books is that you always pay yourself first, you know, you find out how much you want to put into your savings or your investments and you just do it. And then all of a sudden you've got this bill that's late because you put your money into your investment. Well, you're going to figure out how to pay that late bill because they'll turn the lights off. But if you pay that bill so they don't turn the lights off and then now it's time to put money into your investment. Well, this month I just won't put money in my investment because it's not going to kill me. They're not going to turn my lights off. So creating that urgency will help you to create that finance that wasn't there before. And I I think a lot of this comes back to, at least for me, looking at my own psychological state over the past couple of decades, you really slowly step into this where you really kind of realize I need a little more. I need to do a little more. I need to be a little more. I need to give up a little more. This is something that you said earlier that it sparked something. And when you leave a dude and all of a sudden he becomes this, this monster, he's in the gym, you know, he's doing all the things, he's educating himself, his job's growing, you know, his career is growing, he's playing less, he's doing less. That dude was already there. That dude was already there. He was being complacent because he was allowed to, because there was no urgency. And you had, you had the man you wanted. He just was still being too much of a boy because the urgency hadn't been created. And when you left, it created all the urgency he needed to become all the things. He sat down all his free time at will because he knew that it was time to grow up, whether he wanted to or not. And it's so easy for us to be complacent when we're in a good relationship. And fucking stop, stop. Because I tell you one thing that men are going to feel this the most. When you lose your marriage, regardless whose fault it is, regardless of anything that went down, if you lose your marriage to your wife of your children in the apex of your life, you know, like 40, 
you will feel damage unlike like there's no like guys tend to look at everything like you know life's life's a video game but life's a video game with no restart and you can make a great life after divorce you can meet a great person you can add so much to your life but i guarantee you that you will never shed that feeling of failure of losing your family your household the mother of your children you just you can't replace that you can have other stuff that's great but you can't replace that one thing and no matter whose fault it is when it happens you're going to look back at your whole life and feel failure and if you're not doing these things that we're talking about if you're waiting for urgency to create the discipline that you need to be the person you already are man i don't want to see you have to lose everything to get something when you've already got everything right now i don't want to have to to put away every toy and every hobby you know but sometimes when it's time to step up and make more or do more or all your kids are just at that age you got to make all the sacrifices in the world you'll be older one day and have nothing to do you can jerk off to call of duty when you're fucking 50 you think you're not going to like to play video games just because you're older it's not going to be that that's this is one of the things i had down to talk about this was i just wrote down a couple of little things on average statistics say which you know who knows what the fuck that it takes a good six hours of housework a week to manage a decent household now i'm going to assume because that says six hours that that's the fucking basics because if you're properly doing the dishes if you're really making food and doing dishes and laundry fuck that six hours like holy shit i can't do that in six hours like that's that's not counting cooking but it is the dishes and whatnot you know so they're they're assuming you're doing seven hours of cooking a week which ain't shit compared to our parents and their parents they were cooking way more from scratch fucking wannabes from scratch right yeah that's half the reason it's so much less because we're cooking their shit they pick their shit right we took dino nuggets out of the freezer yeah we put them in the fucking oven so you got seven hours of cooking Hopefully, you're doing seven hours a week of cooking, six hours of housework a week. You should be doing at least four hours a month of finance. That means you're looking at the in and the out. It's most common for households to only look at are the bills paid. That is not how you do finances. You look at the in and the out, which means every once in a while, you got to sit down and look at every fucking receipt for a few months. I know it's terrible. If you're not doing the shit all by yourself, it's way it's way less terrible. We need to really look at how many hours go into the household maintenance. Like a decent man is fixing appliances and shit all the fucking time. And a lot of times nobody in the household knows. You know, where have you been for the past three hours? Really, he was trying to fix the head on the weed whack because it just like came apart for no reason. Because shit. Yeah, I was want just... to go take care of the yard. Why did it take eight hours to take care right. of the yard? Right, because right. the seat switch on the lawnmower went out. And I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but, you know, that's the last thing I'm going to say. So it's like, oh, you know, you know, I had to call my buddy. You're not going to run inside just... and be like, oh, no, I don't know what to do. You, you just right, Google this for me. with it for four hours. Right, right. Yeah. I, in my marriage, I always would come in and I would say that, actually. This is what's going on. And then 
my wife was always really good at she'd be googling it and she'd be like texting me like Mm -hmm. did you check this thing and a lot of times it was shit that was super obvious but every once in a while it not once in a while but one of the things would typically be like ah i didn't think of that you know or you know something to that and it's just like to a girl, we think that it's super helpful because we don't know shit about it. So we assume right. that you don't know shit about it either. And you're like, yeah, that's right. the first 10 steps, but thanks, hon. You know? <laughs> right. But the 11th thing might right. be some shit that right. we didn't fucking think of. And we do right. appreciate the whole, like, you know, guys don't need to do it all by yourself. You know, and girls don't need to treat guys like they're retarded because they don't know right off the bat. You know, oh, you don't know how to fix the caster wheel on a zero turn lawnmower? you know but that's just it like it goes back to nobody teaches us these things these life skills and it's a strategic system flaw in my opinion that we aren't taught in school about finances we're not taught about smart investment moves we get talked into things through our employer who is already invested in these companies so right. they benefit from the kickback. Oh, yeah, we, we do 50% match and whatever. Okay, right. cool. But you're still getting more money in your pocket than I am. Well, and then and, the market crashes. Yeah. And I'm just going to trust you because you bring some fancy guy in a suit and a briefcase to, to lay out my life plan for me and I'm going to invest, you know. And so we're just set up for failure from the beginning. And right. And then, you know, the whole looking at men like their failures and not being able to give us experiences because they weren't properly taught finances and what we're seeing in society with this failed marriage epidemic is that we are just emasculating men, not just in the household, but on a systemic level with so many different things that are affecting that. And so it's not entirely the man's fault. It's the man's job to realize that and educate himself so that but like you said, by the time they figure that shit out, it's too late. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not given that information at a time when it matters the most, when we're in high school and going to college, when we're supposed to be learning those things then, right. not when we've already bought a house and, you know, have a family and we're just trying to figure out how we're going to live to be 90 years old and not right. eat applesauce every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And a lot of it with men is that you're creating well not just men both both like you can't just decide to have traditional values when you're older it doesn't it doesn't that's what we do you know like we're born again that's that's like the whole thing it's not a real thing like your your values are pretty pretty compounded at that point so we men especially we need to create the environment so that we grow up to be this man that we're trying to be, not try, not being 35 and realizing that our T-count is so fucking low that we're acting like a girl all the time. Like, it's too late. Like, it's not too late. But, you know, you're definitely so far behind the fucking ball. And it's, you know, I'm always talking about staying on the path. And that's the thing is, like, the I got three hours a week on here for exercise that's not really very much that's not you're not gonna you're not gonna make your goals at three hours a week but at three hours a week hopefully you're not going to become a slob and that should be at least one of the objectives if you want a good long-term relationship is you know if you think that it's that you should be able to become a slob and your spouse is just supposed to love you for who you are you're out of your goddamn mind 
Like I can tell you from a male's perspective that if you're falling apart, I'm not going to be able to perform correctly. I'm sorry, but it's not something that I can think my way through, you know, and, and it doesn't take much for a woman to be put together enough to turn a guy on. But nowadays it's like, there's no effort. There's just no effort. Even the really attractive girls will be the first ones to tell you, you know, I never work out at all. I never go to the gym. I never do anything physical. I just, you know, lose weight at about this time of year, every year, because I don't eat very much. And it's like, that's been working, but it's not going to. Like once you hit 35, that stops working in the way that it worked before, you know, and then you're behind the ball. Now you're 40 and you're behind the ball. You're not keeping a high enough metabolism while you're young to sustain when you do hit that point right. as a woman where your hormones drop and your metabolism slows down naturally. At least if you have it up when you hit that, you don't drop so low that you can't get because trying to maintain a body after 40 when you're at that point as a woman is unless you are consistent and disciplined, it's not. Right. So you should get ahead of the ball and, you know, at least do some sort of consistency. Like you said, that's a minimum effort to just sustain, but then right. take into account, maybe I should work a little harder right now while I can to make some gains before it goes to shit. Right. And like you said, maintain, like it's, it's impossible to maintain. So that means that you need to realize that if you're 40 and you're trying to create you're already fucked. If you can barely maintain at 40, then creating at 40 is a fucking pipe dream, which really shows that if you're under 35 years old, you are obligated to create a foundation for going into your older age. That doesn't mean that you have to be the things that you really want to be. You don't, you don't have to be super low body fat and chiseled out and all these cool things. But you aren't really going to be able to build those things as easily in your old age as you can now. And it's going to be so much easier to maintain than it is going to be to create. And when you do start to have times of fluctuation, you know, because this, this is how we are. So you're going to, you're going to fluctuate from time to time. If you have a good foundation when you're fluctuating, then it's going to be okay. You put a, you put a little bit of meat on a strong body it's going to be fine. You you lose a bunch of weight on a strong body. It's going to be fine. I, it definitely it definitely takes a lot to to really do all the things, but waiting is going to make it damn near impossible. Like and and that's the thing that I've been trying to get across with the the time thing is there's so much stuff on here. Like you should be doing some self education, reading some books. You should be doing work education. You shouldn't just be floating along at your job. You should be getting better and better at your job, even if it's not paying you more. And, and then one day, maybe it means making a move to a different job. But regardless, you should be Building doing your, your fucking best. Right, exactly. You should be doing your fucking best so that you can keep becoming more and more. And if you look at all these things, you know, maintaining the equipment around your house, maintaining your property and the vehicles. And, you know, and I realize that some men aren't capable of doing all these things and sometimes not any of those things. And if you're one of those men, then you, you should use YouTube better because, like, there's no excuse. But that's a lot of time. And, like, and I have family time on here. There should be, like, two hours a night at least for the family. And you should have date time a couple hours a week with your spouse. And, like, you put all this shit together, you're going to realize that you don't have enough time to do half of that. 
you don't have enough time to do half of that, especially if you work well. Huh? To do it well, either. Right. Yeah. That's just just half-assing it to check the boxes that I did it. That's not doing it well. Right. Which some of these things aren't worth doing if you're going to half-ass them. If you're going to half-ass date night with your wife, fuck, you might as well just get divorced. Here's the other like important thing about that is when you have that time with your spouse that you don't talk about the kids and you don't talk about the bills and you don't talk about work. And that's what happens when most of these couples go on date night as they talk. That's all they have in common. And that's sad. If you can't talk to your spouse about ideas and moves and goals and life, you know, then you don't really have a good foundation. If you have to talk about your kids and you have to talk about the bills, Yeah, that's a really good point, because if you've been waiting all week to go out to date night and you sit down with your spouse and the first thing out of your mouth is how you don't want to go to her mom's this weekend or whatever the fuck, you're fucking up. Right. Like the the whole point, like with women, with women in life and even more in the bedroom, a man's job needs to be keep the woman in the now, in the moment, in the present, create an atmosphere that keeps the the woman in the present and you will do better in all facets of life especially in the bedroom we we do a horrible job as men and women at understanding each other because we project ourselves you know as a man i think like this so she thinks like this and women, I think women are even worse at this. We're like, I think like this. So this is what he wants. Not just him. And everybody it, thinks like this. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's like, that's the end of the world because we don't think anything alike at all. So if we just did a little better at coming to terms with how the other one functions. And I think that's what, that's the place where we're at nowadays is where women don't need to be educated at how men work because women can get a decent man regardless. Like what I was saying though, is if we just knew more and we took time to learn and actually, I don't think we give a fuck. I think that's what it comes down to is we, why put in the effort when it's so easy to just manipulate him to do the things. And then if he fails me because I pushed all of his buttons and he sucks now, I can just go find somebody else. Cause I got some backup husband. So they say, you know, it it just, it works, but I don't think most people really want it to because they say they want to lose weight and they want to do that. No, they don't. Yeah. Great. It's a great idea, but are you willing to do all the work that it takes to get there? No, you're not. And you already know that when you start. Right. Same thing with a marriage. If you look at it as this is just an option, your actions forever from that day on are going to be directed in that way. This is just an option and I have another option. So right. if this option doesn't work out, well, I'll get a new pair of shoes. You know what I mean? Right. And that that is the truth. But the thing that women need to realize is that they're lying to themselves because that other option is almost always the lesser option. Yes, you can choose not to go to the gym and to be body positive, but you will not be as happy with yourself down the road as you would have been if you'd made those sacrifices. And you will not be in as good of a place as you would have been if you stayed on the path. 
and you you did a little bit of the gym or did a little bit of the thing because very typically the other man the other option you probably would be with that dude if you really saw him as an elevation to the dude you were with right now that tends to be what women do if they have a better option then they're probably going to be with the better option so you you need to realize that if you picked the best option when you were young as you get older and your value starts to diminish there's a really good chance that your options are going to become not as good not to say that you don't still have a bunch of options as a female you do but you're going to be sad you're going to lose your best option and have to settle for the next best option you're you're going to lose the ability to have that youthful body and you're going to have to settle for body positivity like you you can do it but you will be way happier if you just do what deep down you know you're supposed to be doing, but you skate out of it because that's what everybody else does too. You know, why the fuck should I do it? You know, like I still look better than all the other girls around me. Like, fuck that. And it's way easier for me to say that for to the guys. What makes you think that if you don't change anything about what you're doing and you go into another relationship that that one's going to succeed? Because every time you step into a new relationship, the chances that that fails too is exponential every single time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People don't believe that. That's the problem. Well, here's the statistic for you is that more than 70% of marriages that involve stepchildren end in divorce. Yeah. And think about it. It's so much easier to repair. Now, this is if it hasn't gone beyond repair. For the majority of relationships, it's so much easier to put your time and effort into an existing marriage than it is to start from scratch. Yeah. Because you you already have all the things. You've already done all the things. You know the person. Like I said, and there's going to be 10 things about that other person that pisses you off just as equally or worse. You know, and right. who knows? They will be the one going to the casino or something. Yeah, stuff. exactly. There's and always a drug problem behind the always scenes. be worse. And there's always ex- exceptions. You know, obviously, if you're in an abusive relationship or something like that, then that's not okay. But we're talking in general, for the most part, if you just put it where you got it, you know, and obviously you got into that relationship with that person for some reason. When we lose sight of that, once we get a couple few years in and life gets right. hard and boring and we get complacent and we don't date each other anymore. And, you know, we're just not trying. We're letting ourselves fall off the wagon because we're like you said, we're just they're going to stay. They're going to love me. But neither one. Of well, you- and sometimes we're not even thinking about it because it, a lot of times it happens in the heat of life. You know, yeah. all the kids are at that age. We're all running around with our fucking head cut off. You know, we're never, it's like you said, every time we're talking, it's about the fucking bills and about the things and about the people. And then, you know, the girl, if she's got attention coming from other places, those conversations are much better. They're lighthearted conversations that don't involve all the trauma of the day. So, of course, the guy that she's talking to, they have, you know, a great time together because all they do is talk about great times, you know, and then the second you get home. Put the effort into your own relationship, it would thrive. Right. Yeah. And that's why when you talk to people that have been together for, you know, a lifetime, they always talk about that spot in the middle where it started to get real hard. But they're so glad that this, that and the other thing. And it's just like, 
we don't have that anymore because we don't get over the hump. Once once we get to the hump, we just like we'll just replace the hump with with a, you know, and it's like that's not what we we never used to do that before. This is the thing that fires me the most, and this is what I was talking earlier. You can't get back your family. You can create more family, but you can't get back your family. So if you lose your family, then Christmas time is different places, and birthdays are two birthdays and your kid does some awesome thing with his other family and this is just your life now in 30 years it's still going to be a thing where when you get together for the holidays it's different families for little chunks of time instead of back in the day where it was like just this giant fucking family and you did every single thing together at least that was important and you don't when you get divorced that goes away not your potential to have a happy life you can still have that but that you know nuclear family that's gone forever i tell you what because people think they can go have more kids and you can but that's a fucked up thing too because now you've got a kid that's like the milkman's kid you know, I mean, that's the joke. Like, that was my thing. And I didn't even realize how bad it was when I was a kid. Like, because I, you know, I had good parents and good family and stuff. But it never made sense. Why I didn't understand people. I didn't know people. Like, my mom, this is like so-and-so. You've known him since forever. And it was like, I didn't realize until I got older that because I was with my mom during the week and then my dad on the weekend, my mom's family's life was on the weekend you know the weekend would come and they'd go with their friends and go out and do these things so they they had all these families and stuff that they had all these memories with and then when we'd get together for big gatherings i didn't know any of those people but my brother and sister were like best friends with them all and it, and it was like such a broken thing i was literally like the milkman's kid and i and it was just a joke but then i grew up and i realized it wasn't a fucking joke it was real i was an outcast in my own family and that sounds terrible because, you know, my family was a great family and they loved me and I love my brother and sister and my mom and my stepdad and, you know, whatever. But my point is just that you only get one shot at that. So regardless who fucks it up, I promise you're not going to like in 20 years later, you're not going to be like, you know, oh, yeah, but she fucked it up. No, you fucked it up. You all fucked it up. So well, and you don't. If you think about how it used to be and grandma and grandpa had their problems you know i mean shit they'd be right. vocal about their problems they'd right yeah they'd be fighting at the call each other names at the dinner table and you know and in a love like it was just uh you just knew that they had been together and through right. so much that well and that shit's healthier than we think too like, yeah, we try absolutely. and hide all our problems now and that's that's not right well and here that to go on to that is like we think that we shouldn't ever argue with our spouse or have a disagreement and that is so healthy if you do it in a healthy way because you're you know like you said I'm not going to do the things in the house the exact same way so one we have to understand and if we actually educated ourselves we would know that men don't function the same way we do so we can't expect them to you know but to have a healthy disagreement inside of a marriage is completely normal and good because then you're just like you're you're kind of like tearing a muscle and repairing it for 
lack of better way to explain it. But if you see those relationships back in the day, they had their problems and they just stuck together and worked through it because that's what you did. Right. You know, and what makes our problems any worse than their problems? They had a whole nother issue. You know what I mean? And so we're not really modeled that anymore. And we just don't have the gumption to do what we have to do to stay together anymore because it's just so easy. And it really sucks because we are, like you said, tearing families apart. And we have all these kids with all these issues that we didn't see before because of broken homes and dads in the system and, you know, away from the home. And it, it makes it really hard to model what a good marriage should look like now because we're starting to get so much further away from that traditional dynamic. We're not those values that you talked about that are inherent in us are be, are shifting. Like right. people our age may or may not have those inherent values that are so. I think they do. We just like suppress them. Yeah, but then like what are we you know modeling? we're fucking up? What are you modeling to the next generation? And then that that right. generation becomes less traditional, and then you're just getting so far away from that that nobody's going to have that traditional sense of marriage anymore. And and maybe people don't want that. But I don't think people are, they're really selfish if they honestly go into a relationship and then create a family and then just decide that I'm going to walk out because it's easy. They don't give a shit about who and what they're leaving behind in the pile of rubble and dust that they just walked away from. And they're on to the next best husband, you know, doing it all over again. Right. 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 And I think a lot of times that it does come back and smack them in the face. It's just too late. It's just too late. And then it's like, it's but then the damage is done to everybody that they stopped on, you know? Right. Right. And guys, more and more, we're just, we're fucking over it. Like, it's a lot of work to find a decent spouse. And it just, it's not worth it. It's too much time. I got better shit to do. And here's a good secret for women is to stop feeling that you have to be in the driver's seat all the time. And I think with our society creating all these boss bitches, which is, it's fine to be independent. It's fine to be able to, if that's really where you want to be, you know, we talk about this, that I don't think most women want to be, but if you do, and if you're telling yourself that, or you have to, because you have to have a two income householder or whatever, that you can be in the driver's seat at work. If you're a boss, you manage people at work, cool. You manage your kids at home for the most part, whether you work or not, but don't manage your husband in the home. You talked about this earlier where the home was the woman's domain. Like that's her domicile. Well, a home is a man's refuge and he wants to come home and be nurtured and have companionship. He doesn't want to be harped at. You know, if he's, he's going off to do the things to provide for you and to keep you happy, the least you can do is provide him with that refuge that he is just wanting to be in your arms at the end of the day in his place, you know, and that we don't, we don't do that at all. And we think that if we just sit in the passenger seat, then you win. Like it's this competition between the two constantly. You know, I need to be in the driver's seat. I need to make the decisions when you can't have two leaders. So if the woman would just step into her feminine and allow the man to lead the household, she might not 
be aware of it in the beginning, but it's all going to fall into place for her because that's the dynamic that it should be. But we think that it's a bad thing that if we're not being the boss bitch at home, then we're less of a woman and you know, all that bullshit, but you're just creating havoc in your household and you're turning that alpha male that you wanted to be with and that you chose into this submissive man that you don't want but you can't get out of your own damn way to stop that from happening. And by the time, if you ever even realize it, it's beyond repair. And right. you weren't willing yeah, to yeah. repair it in the beginning. So you're sure as hell not going to repair it when it's fallen into pieces. Right. Yeah. Today's, today's women take alpha and sigma males and turn them into beta males. And then everything blows up. And then the woman goes down the road and it creates... A society um, of weak men. Well, that that's the thing, is those specific men that were the alpha and sigma males, they tend to become so independent that I know of so many, so many of the best men that I know have been, were, or will be single probably for the rest of their lives. Because they're strong enough and secure enough to say... I am not trying to have a woman run my life. And if that is all a relationship is, then I don't, I don't want that. I was just talking to a a friend a couple of days ago and he was like, just asking me about, you know, he's like, so it's just you and your son. Like, yeah. And, you know, so he's, he's around most of the time. Like, yeah, my, my ex-wife works abroad, or whatever. So I have my son a lot of the time, and there's no woman in the household. And he's just like kept coming back to the whole like, so you guys have like free reign of the whole house, like the whole house. And I'm like, yeah, man, there's nobody there but us. And he's just like so starry-eyed, like wow. You know, I could tell, and I could tell like the first thought on his mind was something stupid, like you know. I want that. So, well, it was probably more simple, like, you know, so you, you, you don't pick up your clothes off the bathroom floor. Right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we don't. And it's like, I think that's where men are is they, they're starting to not feel safe. That was really like refuge is a really good way to put it because women look for security in their household. Men don't derive security from their household. We just need a, a safe space where we cannot be attacked and i don't feel like we feel like that anymore like you you know you, we can't leave something on the counter you're just walking on fucking eggshells all the time you know i'm not speaking from you know just my perspective every man i talk to has the same the same life when it comes to you know what it's like living with a woman nowadays and good women a lot of them are good women right? but still like so controlling of space that you know huge arguments over clothes on the floor or you know just the all the things all the normal things the the clothes on the floor the trash not going out the the thing that's not fixed the upgrade to the house that's not done whatever the fuck it is and it's just like you know i spent all day wanting to come home and be away from all this and now that i'm home it's like you know, all the other things. 
Right. It's like, now I want to just stay at work. And that's when I see a lot where guys will just want to work all night. I just don't want to go home. I'll just stay here and make money. Yeah, because then they know they have to go home and they'd rather be at work making money. Right, yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, women, you don't see it. The, the man ends up shutting up because he just knows that he's not going to win. So he, because he wants to make her happy, he just shuts up and lets her win. But when he's doing that, he's his own worst enemy at that point, because he right. should be standing up for himself. I think this is a solid episode. And just the takeaways is if like women just need to be better women and <laughs> men just funny need way to, to be say better it. men. <laughs> but yeah, really. Yeah. Like, stop waiting for urgency. Stop waiting for the shit to catch on fire before, you know, like, just make the fire not come. You know, make your woman always look at you with endearment. Read the books. Go get a book. Like, all the things. All the things. You're not good at finances. You're not good at fixing cars. You're not good in the bedroom. You're not any of the things that you think you are. So go become those things so that, in 20 years, you can look back on your good life and your good marriage and your happy wife. Because, you know, at one point when you're done fucking crying and pointing the finger at everybody else, you're going to realize that there's only one person that you can blame. And it's going to be you. And you will not shake that off. You will never shake that off. But for a woman, too, she has to take a look in the mirror and realize that sometimes the problems that she's dealing with are her own and that sometimes she is the problem and to just yeah. yourself every once in a while and you know it takes two to tango you know it's not just typically the fault of one person there's usually a reason why it's got to this point and we're just so quick to point the finger or bitch and moan about it without actually doing anything internally to try to fix ourselves. because I guarantee you a lot of the times it stems from our own insecurities and well you're scary women are fucking scary like I, I think that a huge piece of it is that we're afraid of women like you, like girl you can just take sex away you can just like and we need I, to stop doing that we need to you, stop you, like we treat you like one of Pavlov's dogs and when it comes to sex and we shouldn't do that. That's so toxic in a relationship. It's like dangling candy in front of a baby. Right. You know, it's, Which makes you not want to have sex with us. Right. I think girls don't even realize it, but by using sex, like it's some kind of reward system, mm-hmm. they're, they're taking their respect for their man right away. Yeah. Like, they, you know, it's a give and take thing, but then, you know, subconsciously, they're losing. Everybody's losing. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize it. Like if, if a woman is not having enthusiastic sex with her man on a fairly regular basis, it's going to fail. Even if the man sticks around, he's not going to be worth a shit. He's not going to give you anything that you want out of life. Have enthusiastic sex with your man. And then for the next two days. See how he acts. Yeah, not just see how he acts, but just see. Like don't don't be out of pocket, but see what you can get him to do. For the next two days after sex. And you, and you will re- realize that all that control that you want in a relationship, it comes after the sex. Not before. Not before. That's, that's, that, the, that's the misconception. What I had said, you know, to you the other day was, you know, in, in the game of chess, 
the king's move depends on what the queen does and she has to move first. And so if you change your behavior, you will then see his behavior be a reflection of that good or bad. And so, you know, you use that as sex as an example of getting stuff done, change your behavior. If you want his behavior to change, if you have a honey do list, that's not getting done. Please the man. He's probably just deprived, you know, and it's just simple psychology that women aren't willing to educate themselves on to get to know that a man is very much different than she is. And if she can just figure that out, you have the secret. You know, you can make him dance however you want to because you have the secret and not in a like a. No, I get it. I agree. But yeah, I agree. You know, and he's happy to do that. Because you're giving right. him everything that he needs as a man, not the things you think he needs because you're a woman, the things he needs as a man. And it's not a disrespect just because a man needs sex. And that's a fact. Doesn't make him this, this animal. You should respect him for that. And you should be happy that he wants to have sex with you. And right. we just don't, we treat it as like this reward and we need to understand bottom line we need to understand one another better and we need to be willing to do the work to learn about not just men and women, but about the person that you're with, because we all have variations. When it comes down to the basics, we're very much the same. You have to invest from the very beginning with your partner and commit to, you have to stay and you have to do the work, not just together, but you have to do the individual work on yourself too. Yeah. Yeah. Bottom yeah, line. That's that's the parties. that is the bottom line right there. Jordan Peterson says it all the time. It's like, you know, how do I find the best spouse? No. How do I be the best spouse? Then you will find the best spouse. Or not. But I guarantee you you won't find it any other way. Yeah. You create so, your own happiness based on your actions and your yeah. behaviors. And you're manipulating right. the other person, whether you realize it or not. So it just it all right. starts with you. Well, and part of that too is that if you're manipulating everything, then you're creating the atmosphere. And and the last thing that that I want to say is that women are scary. And I've that already, so it must be true. Men, men are really, really scary. I know men that are really scary people. And most men, they're insecure about their relationship because they don't want to lose. They don't want to lose. And that's making you weak. And it's making you lose the respect that you're you're being given. And men need to remember that you know what you know. And you rely on yourself. So if you think a situation then that's the situation. Don't be afraid that your wife's going to come home and be upset because you tore the thing apart or because you had this thing or it didn't go away or you tried to fix this and it broke or whatever the fuck. I hear that all the time from people, from people close to me, from my friends. Like they're just so scared of what their wife's going to say or what their wife's going to do. And even when they had the best of intentions, you're being weak. You need to be strong enough to be able to say, this is how it went. This is how it is. This is how it's going to be. I did my best. I'm going to keep doing my best. It is what it is. You know, the lights are out. 
I fucked up the thing. I'm going to fix it. Or maybe and we'll trust, have to give up and pay somebody else to fix it. Trust but. that he will. You know, don't make him feel inadequate. Just trust that he will. He's not going to let your house or you or your family fail. But just let it well, happen. And, and if he does, don't demonize him. You know, if he tries to fix an electrical issue and it ends up being a little over his head, hopefully he learns something from the guy that comes and fixes it. Well, awesome. I'm whether whether he fixes it or he finds somebody to fix it, the issue right. will get yeah. fixed. He's not exactly. going to let you go without. He's right. not going to fail you, you right. know. Right. It's sure. not the end of the fucking world. Right. So, but it it comes from both sides. It definitely comes from both sides. Like men, men, we, we act weak because we're afraid. And that's the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard of. But I've spent, you know, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm not, not the end of the fucking world. Right. All right. That's what we have for you this week. If you like what you heard, make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Finding Equilibrium Podcast. We will be sure to follow back. Send us a DM. Let us know what you want us to talk about next. And we will see you back here next time. Thanks for tuning in.